You're listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Kobernack. It is our desire that you will be helped by this Bible message. Matthew 27 in your Bibles. I want to uh, show you a verse, and uh, this is certainly not going to be an exhaustive study of this subject, uh, but I hope it will be a help to you. It says in Matthew 27, at the time that Jesus was on the cross, of course, verse number 45, the sixth hour, there was darkness over all the land unto the ninth hour. So there's three hours of darkness. And it was in verse 46 that Jesus cried out, saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, which is to be interpreted, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And uh, I've preached about that before and just the, uh, the, the, the feeling, the emotion, the heartache and the heartbreak of our Savior on the cross when God the Father could not look upon his son because on his son was all the sin of the entire world. Your sin, my sin, the sin that was past, present, future. And Jesus paid not just for some of the sins. Aren't you glad he paid for all of our sins? And so we've talked about that. But then in verse number 50, when he had cried again with a loud voice, he yielded up the ghost. In verse 51, and behold, the veil of the temple was rent in twain from the top to the bottom, and the earth did quake, and the rocks rent. The graves were opened and many bodies of the saints which slept arose and came out of the graves after his resurrection and went into the holy city and appeared unto many. Verse 54, now when the centurion and they that were with him watching Jesus saw the earthquake and those things that were done, they feared greatly saying, truly this was the son of God. Father, I pray you'd speak to us tonight. Give us what we need from your word. Lord, help me to be very clear. Help me uh, to, to get to the point. Uh, help me not to say things I should not say, but help me to say everything that you want me to say. And I pray that this message and this help, uh, sermon tonight would be a help and a blessing as we consider the Lord's Supper. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Matthew 27, Mark 15, and Luke 23, in all three of those accounts, we find this same statement made that when Jesus died, the veil of the temple was rent in twain. It was torn in two. And the Bible says that it was rent in twain from the top to the bottom. Now, how many of you have read this before? You've heard this before. How many of you, you're, you know about this? Let me see your hands. My hand's up. I've heard about it. I've heard People preach about it and say, you know, that must have been pretty, pretty wild for those priests that were in the temple to see the, 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 the veil that was torn and there weren't hands that did it and all that stuff. But I'll be honest with you, I've never really studied it out. I've never really uh, given it probably the consideration that it is due. But as I began to prepare for the Lord's Supper for this Sunday night, I'm telling you, God did a work in my heart for what this means and how it happened and all that's involved with the veil of the temple. The veil is a, a curtain, but it is something that means to cover. A veil is used to cover. It is used to separate. It is used to divide. <laughs> I remember when uh, my wife and I, when we first moved into our uh, condo 
in uh, California when we moved out there. We rented an apartment. We moved into a condo. And this place was trashed. I mean, it was awful. There were holes in the walls. There were holes in the doors. I mean, it, the carpet was just a mess. I mean, there were phone numbers written on the walls, you know, and all that stuff. And it was wild. And so we got in there, and there was only so much we could do, and we did it at, 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 in, in different times and sections. But the first thing we did was we got in, of course, and we ripped out all the, the carpet, and we you know, painted and all those things. And then we had to make the call and we had to uh, pull out the doors. Several of the doors had holes in the doors. And um, I don't know exactly what was going on, but it wasn't good, you know. And uh, it must have had a dog the size of a horse in there, too. I mean, there were claw marks and all this stuff. But we took out all those doors. Well, it was just me and my wife. And so we said, we don't really have the money right now to get all these doors replaced and do everything we want to do. So for about a year. We just put curtains up over the doorways, you know. And, of course, if, you know, if we had family or people come, we'd always apologize and say, we are going to get doors one of these days. Now, we did have a door to the outside, but, you know, inside it was all curtains. And so that's what this is. It's a veil is a curtain that would separate from, from one room to the next or from one place to another. And the reason for this veil is that this was a barrier between God and man. Because in the Garden of Eden, when man sinned, they broke the fellowship with God and they were cast out of that garden. And remember what God put outside of the garden to separate them from coming back in? God put angels with flaming swords to keep them from the presence of God. You say, well, didn't God love them? Absolutely God loved them. But God is a holy God. And sin always separates us from God. And so there had to be a barrier in the temple because this was the place that separated the common people from the priests. You see, in the tabernacle, which in the tabernacle, that was a, a portable, temporary structure that the children of Israel used for worshiping God. It'd be much like a, a tent would be today, but it was elaborate. And if you study the book of Exodus, every part of that tabernacle was important. Every part of that tabernacle was significant. And in that tabernacle, there was an outer court. And the people could go into that outer court and they could bring their sacrifices. But then there was a curtain. There was a veil. And to go into the holy place, only the priests could go into the holy place. Now, the, uh, the, the tabernacle was uh, 45 feet long by 15 feet wide. The, the, the holy place was 30 by 15. And then after the holy place, there was the holy of holies. The holy of holies was separated by another veil, another curtain. And... The people couldn't go in there, and the priests couldn't go there with the exception of the high priest. The high priest could go in to the Holy of Holies once a year on the Day of Atonement. That was it. And so there was the curtain that separated the people uh, from the house of God. Only the priest could go in there. Then there was the curtain that separated the holy place from the Holy of Holies, and only the high priest could go into the Holy of Holies, and there was a curtain. The Bible tells us that the, uh, the curtain, the veil, was made of blue and purple and scarlet and fine twined linen. 
The Bible tells us that both the, the, the veil into the holy place and the veil into the holy of holies, they were both that same description with this exception. The veil that covered the holy of holies. That's where the Ark of the Covenant was. Uh, that was where the mercy seat was kept. That is where the, the very presence of God dwelled with his people. And in the Holy of Holies, that curtain, that veil, had cherubs, cherubim, uh, 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 put on that as a reminder that they were the ones, the angels were the ones that, that guarded the presence of God, just like they had at the entrance of the Garden of Eden after sin. And so this veil, this veil was a, a separation between a holy God and a sinful man. Number one, I've already given it to you, but I see the reason for the veil. The reason for the veil was to separate. The reason for the veil was to divide. The reason for the veil was to cover. God's people could not handle the glory of God. God's people could not handle the presence of God. As a matter of fact, you remember when Moses... Moses went up on Mount Sinai and Moses spent time with God. And when Moses came back down, the Bible says that his face shone so much so that they had to use a what to cover him, had to use a veil because Moses had so much of the glory of God upon him. It would have, the people couldn't handle it. And so Moses had a veil over his face. But here we see the veil in the tabernacle, the reason for the veil. The Bible gives great description of the veil that was in the tabernacle. Well, you remember David, King David wanted to build, not just have a, a temporary structure, but King David wanted to have a permanent house for God. And so he began to gather materials and, and God told David he couldn't build it. He was a man of war. He was a bloody man. And, and so, but God allowed Solomon to build that temple. When Solomon built the temple, it was set up a similar there was still uh, the, the holy of holies and there was still a veil that separated from the rest of the temple to the holy of holies. Solomon's temple was destroyed by the Babylonians during that invasion around uh, 600 B.C. Remember the, the remnant, the, the, the folks came back with Nehemiah and, and Ezra and they, they, they rebuilt the wall and they rebuilt the temple. And when the people saw that temple, they said, boy, this temple is not as beautiful as the other one. But God prophesied about that and he said, don't you worry, the glory is coming back to this place and you can mark it down. And so that temple there, is, it stood and, and, and things were added on. And by the time of Jesus, they referred to the temple as Herod's temple. Now, hallelujah, aren't you glad it wasn't really Herod's temple? It was the Lord's temple. And by the way, this isn't our church. This is the Lord's church. But that temple had still, at the time of Christ, that temple still had that covering. That, that temple still had a veil. As a matter of fact, historians tell us that the veil in the temple was 60 feet long and 30 feet tall, and get this, four inches thick. Now, I have no idea how in the world you could get something to be four inches thick like a material like that, but that was how serious they were about the separation between sinful man and a holy God. As a matter of fact, according to Jewish tradition, the veil of the temple during Jesus' day, the veil was so heavy 
it took 300 priests just to hang that veil. We were yesterday at the harvest party, we were working with those inflatables uh, that we had, those, 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 those jump houses and all those things. And I'll tell you, those things are pretty thick. They're not four inches thick. They're pretty thick. And I'll tell you another thing, they're pretty heavy. But can you imagine to have something that's 60 feet long and 30 feet tall and four inches thick and you're trying to hang that thing up? But yet that was how serious they were to know we cannot get inside this veil because this is where the presence of God is. I see number one, the reason for the veil. But number two, I see the rending of the veil. Now, again, when you think of something that is 60 feet wide and 30 feet tall and four inches thick, you'd about need a chainsaw to go through that thing. And yet the veil of the temple, when Jesus died on the cross, that veil was torn in two. Now, first of all, no man could do that. And certainly no man would try to do it from the top to the bottom. Oh, but there's somebody who could do that. There's somebody who could rend a veil. There's somebody who could rip that curtain in half. And God himself from heaven, he ripped that veil. And you say, why did he do that? I'm so glad you asked. Because that's what I wanted to tell you tonight. That veil of that temple was rent in twain from top to bottom. Because when Jesus died on the cross, we were given access to God. And we didn't have to go through a priest. We didn't have to go through a high priest. We didn't have to bring a sacrifice because the sacrifice was already made. As a matter of fact, the high priest himself, Jesus Christ, the high priest, he's the one that gave his life and he's the one that died for our sins and he's the one that has given us access to a holy God. Amen. Hebrews 11, verse 20. I want you to turn there if you... If you, if you uh, I was going to say if you've got a minute, but you got a minute. I'm almost done. Hebrews 11, 20. Of course, the book of Hebrews talks about how that Jesus is better. He's better than the Old Testament law. He's better than the Old Testament sacrifice. He's better than the Old Testament priest. He's better than anything you could ever come up with. Jesus Christ is better. In verse number 20 of Hebrews uh, 10, excuse me, I think I said 11. Hebrews 10, verse 20. It says, by a new and living way, which he hath consecrated for us through the veil, that is to say, his flesh. You see, the Bible calls Jesus' body his flesh. It was a veil. Remember the Mount of Transfiguration? Peter, James, and John went up into that mountain, and what did they see there? They had already seen Jesus. They, were, they went up there with Jesus. But they didn't see Jesus with the veil of his body. They saw Jesus in all of his glory. You get to John, excuse me, uh, get to Revelation chapter 1, where John, who saw Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration, he saw the glory of God. And you get to Revelation chapter 1, and John describes what it was like to see Jesus in all of his glory. You know what John did? He said, I fell at his feet as though I were dead. Amen. 
John got to see Jesus in his glory. And Peter and James got to see Jesus in his glory. Moses got to see God in his glory. And the reason that Jesus came was so that that division, of that divide, that covering, that separation between God and man would no longer be existent. Jesus made a way for us to get to the Father. Hallelujah. Hebrews 4, 16. Let us, therefore, come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. I see not only the reason for the veil, I see the rending of the veil, but number three, I see the revelation of Jesus Christ. Now, this is so powerful to me because a veil means a covering. You know what revelation means? Uncovering. A revelation is an unveiling. And that's what we have. The last book of the Bible that we've been studying on Wednesday nights, we have a revelation. We get to see who Jesus is. We get to see Jesus in his power and his glory. We get to see him coming back as King of kings and Lord of lords. We get to see Jesus not on the cross as a lamb to be slain, but we get to see Jesus coming back as King of kings and Lord of lords. There's the revelation of Jesus Christ. You see, because the, the veil was rent in twain, because the separation was removed, we have access to God. Now, this is an interesting thought. Before Jesus died on the cross, people couldn't go to God, but they wanted to. They desired that. As a matter of fact, they would do as much as they could to get as close as possible. They could bring the sacrifices into that outer court. They could bring the sacrifices. They could bring the offerings, but they could only get so close. In those days, people wanted to get close, but they couldn't. Today, I'm afraid, we can get close, and we don't really want to. You see... Tonight, you're as close to God, and I'm as close to God as we choose to be. There is no veil. There is no separation. There are no uh, cherubim that are standing in the way with flaming swords saying, you cannot enter. We've got direct access through Jesus Christ, our Lord. There is a mediator between God and man, the man, Christ Jesus, and we've got access. And yet sometimes, oh, what... Peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. I want you to turn with me to one more place. Revelation chapter 3. Jesus is speaking. Of course, in these two chapters, Revelation 2 and 3, it is Jesus speaking to these seven churches of Asia Minor. And when we get to Revelation 3 and uh, verse number uh, 20, Jesus is speaking to the church at Laodicea. And the Bible says something very interesting that Jesus tells the people there at that church. He said, behold, I stand at the what? The door. And I knock. And if any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and will sup with him and he with me. You see, God has torn down a veil but some of us have put up a door. Why is there a door that is closed in your life and Jesus is on the outside? Why is there anything in your life that Jesus is not a part of? 
Why is there anything in my life that Jesus does not have access to? Jesus Christ should not be standing outside knocking on the door because the veil's already been torn in two. Jesus Christ ought to be in our midst every single day, fellowshipping with us and he with him. That's what he wants. If you have put up a door in your life, if there's something that has come between you and the Lord, I'll tell you this, it's time to open the door. As a matter of fact, I'd go ahead and take the hinges off and everything. I'd go ahead and get rid of the door. Like my wife and I did in Santa Clara, California. I told that story at the beginning. Hey, just, hey, we just get rid of the doors. But can I tell you this? If you have put up a door, if there's something that is separating between you and your God, Jesus hasn't given up on you. Aren't you glad he's knocking? Aren't you glad that he wants to fellowship with you? Aren't you glad he wants to have a relationship with us? Now, can you imagine after all that Jesus has done, don't you think that he would put it all on us and say, hey, I've done my part. Now it's time for them to do their part. But that's not the way that Jesus treats us. He says this. He says, you draw nigh to me, I'll draw nigh to you. I'm knocking on the door. You open the door. And I will come in and I will sup. I will fellowship with you and you with me. Jesus is knocking tonight. Maybe he's knocking on your door. He wants to have a relationship with you. But he's not going to tear down the door. Because he's already torn down the veil. The veil is already gone. Now it's up to you. Now it's up to me to open the door and to let him in. If you're here tonight and you've never been saved, Jesus wants to come in and he wants to save your soul. And if you're here tonight and you've already been saved, Jesus wants to have a relationship, a fellowship with you every single day. You say, how do we do that? Well, there's a couple ways. Here's the two best ways I know. Number one, you read the Bible and let him speak to you. And then you pray and you speak to him. And that's the way a relationship is built. It's built by two-way communication. And aren't you glad that Jesus loves us? He loves us so much. He wants a relationship with you so much. He was willing to give his life. Thank you for listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. For more information about our ministry, please visit our website at vbcrr.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.